Hi everyone, you're listening to Mary Read Scripture, a production of the Ephesus School Network. I'm Mary, and today I'll be reading and you'll be hearing from the Book of Romans. Let's begin, as we always will, by hearing Scripture. Today's reading is from Romans chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust to inflict wrath? I speak as a man. Certainly not, for then how will God judge the world? If you remember from our discussion last week, the Jews in the text have an advantage over the Gentiles, chiefly because the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God, the divine words which God spoke. If in having this advantage the Jews are still not persuaded to believe, this has no effect on God's own faithfulness. God's faithfulness is demonstrated through the words he spoke. He will be justified in his words and shown to be what he is, the judge of all men. Paul continues speaking about the Jews in verse 5. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The first word I would like to explore is the word translated as if. This word in Greek is e and is defined as if that, or for as much as. This probably seems like a silly word to focus on, but it's essential to our understanding of Paul's statement here. E functions as a conditional conjunction, which links words, phrases, or clauses together and indicates that one word, phrase, or clause depends on the other as an assumed fact. Here Paul is assuming that it is a fact that God's righteousness shows the Jews to be unrighteous. Because Paul is assuming this as fact, what can be said against it? What shall we say? T-eromen. The Greek word translated here as say is a form of the verb ereo, which is defined as to call, say, speak of, or tell. It is similar to the verb lego. In my study of this word, I noticed a couple of trends in the way this word is used across the New Testament. It is used sporadically to indicate those things which God says, Jesus says, or occasionally what Paul says. However, the dominant trends are found here in Romans and the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. The trend in Romans is for Paul to use this word to speak on behalf of men in a rhetorical sense. Let's look at some examples. We have our example from verse 5 of today's passage. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Paul's rhetorical question comes up again in Romans chapter 4 verse 1. What shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? And again in Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And again in Romans chapter 7 verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? These are just a few of the many examples of the way Paul uses this word in Romans. Interestingly, ereo is used the most frequently in the Gospel of Matthew, where it contrasts the way Paul uses it in Romans. While Paul uses it as a rhetorical question, Matthew predominantly uses it to indicate those things which have been said previously by the prophets, the law, or the Lord. Let's look at some examples. 
Here's Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken, rethen, by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 23, where Joseph is warned by God in a dream, And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken, rethen, by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 4 through 5, where Jesus enters Jerusalem. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken, rethen, by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey. Out of the 31 times this word is used in Matthew, 21 of those times refers to what was spoken previously by the prophets, the law, or the Lord. While the Gospel of Luke also uses ereo a couple of times to indicate that which was previously spoken, it predominantly uses this word to indicate those things which men say, often through the vehicle of Jesus' parables. Let's look at some examples. Here is Luke chapter 12, verse 10. And anyone who speaks, ere, a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. And Luke chapter 17, verse 7 through 9. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say, ere, to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say, Eri, to him, prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink? And again in Luke chapter 17, verse 22 through 23. Then he said to the disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say, Erusin to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. These are just a few of the examples from Luke. More than half of the time ereo is used, Luke uses it to refer to the things that men say. Let's end by returning to our Romans passage. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Paul continues with another question. Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? He then clarifies that he speaks as a man. This is the kind of thing men would say. And Paul answers his own question. God is perfectly just in his wrath towards unrighteousness. He could not judge the world if this wasn't the case. The fact for Paul is that God is the judge of the world and it is his character as this righteous judge that shows the unrighteousness of men to be what it is. All in all, it's interesting to reflect on how the Gospels, Matthew and Luke, help to fill out Paul's argument and add fuel for his rhetorical questions. Matthew's use of the word in particular seems to suggest that the important things have already been spoken by the prophets, the law, or the Lord. For Paul, in Romans chapter 3, they have already been spoken by the oracles of God. Indeed, what can men say? 
I'll let Paul continue to answer this question for us as we move on with our discussion next week. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week for a new episode of Mary Read Scripture. Bye!